If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Ghana first. The charge by chairman of the Church of Pentecost to the Ghanaians as they lead the nation on the first and biggest national development conference, focusing on moral vision and national development. We're going to tell you what the speakers have been saying at this all-important event. Also coming up this afternoon, former executive vice president of Unilever, Yao Nsako, delivers a scathing verdict on Ghana's Fourth Republic and its democracy, labeling it a miracle that led nowhere. Perhaps this is the best characterization of the great Fourth Republic of Ghana, a merry-go-round of miracles that lead nowhere. Politicians who know they can take the people for granted because the people themselves are not serious about their welfare. For how else can I explain that we leave fatal floods to focus as a nation on which adult is having consensual sex with another in the privacy of their, their homes or whatever else. Perhaps this is the best characterization of the great Fourth Republic of Ghana. Ouch. Now, how relevant has the National Peace Council been to the development of aspirations of the country? This afternoon, we break down the council, its architecture, and we find out what they have been doing to ensure the country is enjoying peace, following a recent downgrade of Ghana on the Global Peace Index. Right, it's such a pleasure to be with you. The Pulse is brought to you by Global Communities Dignilu, affordable, safe sanitation for all. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and on myjoyonline.com. For these stories and more, let's buckle in and get started. Right, first things first. Chairman of Parliament's Public Accounts Committee, 
Doc, uh, Dr. James Kluche Aveji says the practice of writing to the chief of staff at the office of the president to dispose of assets is wrong in law. It has become a practice where state institutions who want to auction cars and other assets write to the chief of staff for authorization. We'll bring you details of that story, um, but let's talk about this. Uh, former executive vice president of Unilever, Yawan Sakon, has delivered a scathing verdict on Ghana's Fourth Republic and its democracy. He labels it a miracle that led nowhere. Perhaps this is the best characterization of the great Fourth Republic of Ghana. A merry-go-round of miracles that lead nowhere. Politicians who know they can take the people for granted because the people themselves are not serious about their welfare. For how else can I explain that we leave fatal floods to focus as a nation on which adult is having consensual sex with another in the privacy of their, their homes or whatever else? Right now, a quick update. Parliament is on break today as the Speaker tells MPs to attend a national development conference being organized by the Church of Pentecost. Now, uh, the first ever national development conference is underway at Gumwafete in the central region uh, with heavy representation of current and former public officers. Former Presidents Kufour and Mahama, Speaker Alban Bagbin, Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, and Chief Justice Gertrude Tokunu are among the dignitaries who have graced the event uh, called by the Church of Pentecost. Apostle Eric Nyamiche is Chairman of the Church. And uh, we'll bring you some more details of that event as it unfolds. Now, uh, two students of the Wa Technical Institute are currently in police custody for allegedly assaulting a housemaster and another student. One of them, 19-year-old Yusuf Mudassir, is said to have been approached by the housemaster for dressing inappropriately. Uh, according to the housemaster, Israel Musa Frinko, uh, the student, had agreed to change his attire, but later resisted. This is the around 10 o'clock. I was in my office. When I had a call to one of my master, saying that the student had hit his student with their master. So I had to stop whatever I'm doing in the office, just to try to see what was happening. So when I got to the scene, I saw blood oozing from the teacher's eye. And the student was also there. So quickly, because it was a criminal issue, I asked them to send the student to the police. And then the teacher to also go to uh, medical attention. So later on, I wanted to find out what actually transpired. The teacher concern is the housemaster. Their duty is to ensure that all students need dormitories to go to 
class. I talked to the teacher, he got to the dormitory and the student were wearing improper. He asked you to go and change and go to class. The student was resistant. He asked you to go and change. But the student said, teacher, I don't know what you are, what you are doing. I'm writing my final exams. The teacher said, so what? Go and change. In the process, the student took a stone from the ground and hit the, uh, the teacher's eye. That's what the teacher told me. So we have taken them to the police station. I think they were true. This student's concern since from first year. You know, TPS service have brought a policy. We call it a guardian and counseling policy. The policy is that to handle students who are going wayward. So we have some students in the school. And some of them have gone through this guardian and counseling and they have performed. So our hope was that this student would have performed. But you know, you can't have 100%. But we should allow them to register to, to write. So when that happened, that particular student had got a very close friend who was also in the dormitory. So when he saw that, he also wanted to run. The students wanted to grab him. No he was having a scissors in the pocket. He removed it and took one of the students to run. So we have to take that student to the police station. As you pick up the, the students are at the police custody and they are going to investigation. Now, three soldiers of the headquarters central command of the Ghana Armed Forces in Kumasi and three others are standing trial for conspiring to rob a bullion van belonging to a mining company in the Ahafo region. The six allegedly planned to attack and rob a bullion van built to transport gold from, uh, for Golden Team Mining Company in Ahafo, Shidim, in the Ahafo region. Uh, police arrested a driver of the company, Ura Osei Inchi, and investigations led to five others, including the military men. The Office of the Special Prosecutor says it is going beyond the recently concluded search of the two residences of former Sanitation Minister Cecilia to undertake the next level of his investigations. A statement issued by the office assures the nation will be briefed on the outcome of its probe once it's concluded. Okay. Now, there are calls for the Conduct of Public Officers Bill to be passed. To reinforce Ghana's asset declaration regime, the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice holds the view that passing that bill will put to rest some of the concerns that tend to come up regarding unexplained wealth. Now we're going to take a few messages from our partners before we start digging into some of these stories. You don't want to miss any of it. Stay right where you are. We'll be right back.
auto, bro. See, with the Equibank salary account, you will enjoy free life insurance. Oh. Free debit card, save while you spend, and an amazing chance to double your salary. A whole seven, oh. and even more consolation rewards in the Equibank double salary promo reloaded. Vimo, this Equibank salary account sounds interesting. What do you think? Ayara. Uh, 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 but maybe next time, Charlie, you know what? I'd go shine my shoe. Hey. Yo, myself, I'd go check my baby. We go up, never go down, and we stay flat. Open an Ecobank salary account today for a lifetime of benefits. You also stand a chance to win more than double your salary in the Ecobank double salary promo reloaded from now till July 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Under the supervision of the National Lottery Authority, under the Caritas Lottery Platform, the Pan African Bank. Smile, hmm? Look lively, okay? Smile, smile! Is the money too small? A bad stomach ruins your day. Don't let it. Take Gastron, your most effective antacid, for the relief of symptoms of peptic ulcer, heartburn, gas pain, flatulence, and indigestion. Hey guys, what are you waiting for? Let's go, let's go. Mwah. Can you bring down that smiles more? <laughs> Gastron, effective relief from stomach discomfort. Manufactured and distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been getting approved by the FDA. Daddy? This tank is big! Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow! It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil us. That's not true. But why? Why? <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? back thanks for staying with us now uh, starting from 2024 all babies are expected to be vaccinated against hepatitis b that's contained in the latest framework of the ghana health service as it ramps up its fight against the growing number of cases in the country uh, director general of the ghana health service dr patrick kumar Bwaji, and all inf- said all infants will be administered the hepatitis B vaccine within 24 hours of birth. He was speaking at the launch of this year's World Hepatitis Day. 
Hepatitis B is a serious inflammation of the liver caused by the hepatitis B virus. Globally, it is estimated that around 3 million individuals live with hepatitis B and another 71 million live with hepatitis C. In Ghana, unfortunately, the diagnosis and treatment of viral hepatitis remain at alarmingly low levels. This is primarily due to a lack of awareness and high cost of treatment. At the press launch for this year's World Hepatitis Day, the Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kuma Abwache, stated that in an effort to meet the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals for Hepatitis, they will begin the vaccination of newborns against the hepatitis B infections starting next year. Recognizing the growing burden of hepatitis, we have as a country and as part of the SDG containment drive set out to diagnose 90% of hepatitis B and C cases and put 80% on treatment by the year 2030. Again, all pregnant women living with chronic hepatitis B are to have access to treatment while all infants will receive hepatitis B uh, vaccine at birth, within 24 hours of birth to prevent infection. Recent maternal hepatitis B cell survey has yielded concrete results to inform decisions on hepatitis B birth dose, and very soon, HBV birth dose will be introduced in Ghana. The Ghana Health Service, in collaboration with the Ministry of Health and with support from our Global Fund and WHO, will in 2024 implement the triple elimination of hepatitis B, along with HIV and syphilis. The antenatal service package will be expanded to include testing pregnant women for hepatitis B with the necessary treatment offered to those needing it. The program's manager for the National Viral Hepatitis Control Program, Dr. Achu Siakikao, highlighted effective measures to prevent the transmission of the disease. Now, there are effective interventions against hepatitis B and C, which are summarized here. Vaccination is key. Prevention of mother-to-child transmission, including birth dose vaccination. Infection prevention. Uh, is very important and because many times we see people go down to the waste containers picking anything including needles and sharps. It's not the best. Harm reduction for people who inject drugs is very important so that they don't use infected needles for the purpose. Importantly for you and I also is testing and effective treatment for both B and C which must reach everybody who needs it. The representative of the Hepatitis Coalition of Ghana, Siobald Owusu Ansa, presented a lineup of activities for this year's World Hepatitis Day. On the 25th, there's going to be Hepatitis B screening and vaccination at Medina Market and STT Yard from 28th July. And when you find yourself in Volta region, that's who there's going to be hepatitis B and C screening and free vaccination. And those at Cape Coast, you can also join the free screening at uh, Cape Coast Teaching Hospital. In front of Cape Coast Teaching Hospital, we are doing uh, screening and vaccination there. And also, Ridge Hospital on 28th, 
there's going to be a free screening and vaccination at Great Hospital. And Tamale, those who are in Tamale, you can also join as the free screening and vaccination and education. Living a healthy lifestyle is important in protecting yourself against the silent threat of hepatitis. Esther Incromat. Now, two weeks ago, Global Peace Index was released in which Ghana dropped behind countries like Sierra Leone, a country that has been through war in recent times. Uh, that was a blow to this country as uh, we are primarily known for our peaceful nature. So what is it that is pushing us down the rankings and what can we do to salvage it? The institution set up by our constitution to address this is the National Peace Council. How relevant is this council and its work to you and to our development? We want to understand them and what they go through in ensuring that the country is peaceful and also uh, their challenges. Joining us for this conversation is the Executive Secretary of the National Peace Council, Mr. George Amo. Now, before we start our conversation, though, let's very quickly bring you details of the Global Peace Index. Uh, and uh, here's how we performed. Okay, so this compares our performance in uh, 2022, uh, 2022 to the year 2021. Okay? Uh, first of all, we ranked 51st for peace around the world, and in Africa we were fourth, the fourth most peaceful country on the continent and the 51st in the world. Now look at how it compares to our performance last year. Okay, last year we were the 40th most peaceful country in the world. That clearly has uh, dropped by 11 places to 51st. And in Africa we were the second, we are now the fourth. Okay, now they, they measure a number of things, the level of societal safety. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. security the extent of ongoing domestic and international conflict, and the degree of militarization. Uh, and these are the things that they look at to arrive at their decisions. Okay? But here's the reality. Peace is correlated with money. There are financial consequences of not being as peaceful as we were the year before. So have a look at this. Uh, in uh, 2021, um, the cost of violence in Ghana was $10.5 billion. In 2022, the cost of violence is $10.1 billion. There's a difference here of $400 million. Okay, now this includes expenditure and economic, uh, the economic effect related to containing, preventing, and dealing with the consequences of violence. All right, so let's, let's uh, engage in a conversation. Mr. George Amo is here. He's the Executive Secretary of the National Peace Council. Mr. Amo, it's a pleasure to have you. Yes. Now, uh, your, your, your council has a massive mandate. Uh, we rely on you for quite a lot because, as we have demonstrated, peace 
you know, is not just an abstract idea. Yeah. There are numbers to it. There are figures to it. There are costs to yeah. it. And we seem to be doing worse. Now, before we get into why that might be, maybe you could help us with a bit of education about the National Peace Council, what you are mandated to do, and perhaps uh, if, you, if, you, if you can summarize your history for us to bring us all the way up to date. All right. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Kujo and uh, the Joint News team. Um, we are very grateful. Um, the Peace Council uh, was established, um, you know, uh, amidst, you know, conflicts. So out of the difficulties that engulfed the country somewhere in 1994, 1995, uh, uh, I'm referring to the Nanumba-Kukumba you know, war, you know, which led to uh, some deaths. Uh, you know, out of that experience, um, some civil society groups, particularly the uh, Kale Bishops Conference, you know, um, led by Right Reverend uh, Philip Name at the time, and um, the Catholic Relief Services, uh, the Action Aid Ghana, uh, Well Vision, and among others, you know, uh, mobilized support, you know, for uh, peaceful interventions. And out of that, uh, something we call Secretaps, uh, Center for Conflict Transformation and Peace Studies, was set up in, in Damango, uh, which became like a reference point for dealing with, you know, conflicts from time to time. Then, somewhere in 2002, remember the unfortunate death of the Yana. So when the Yana's death um, also occurred, you know, the forces for uh, a mechanism, a kind of uh, peace infrastructure, you know, to uh, continuously deal with our, you know, violence and conflict issues, uh, was was uh, gathering momentum, you know. So the the whole nation, uh, I mean, the Ministry for Interior came in uh, in somewhere 2006. A framework was developed. Uh, under that time, uh, Honourable Kandapa was the Minister uh, for the Interior, and uh, he started a process, uh, you know, because civil society had already begun the process, and uh, a framework was developed. You know, then fortunately, uh, Honourable Matanamidu uh, came and uh, firmed up uh, the process. Uh, so somewhere in 2010, in Parliament, uh, a bill was introduced, and um, uh, the president at the time, uh, President uh, Mills, uh, the late President Mills, uh, in, in May 2011, you know, signed the bill, uh, which resulted in the creation of the National Peace Council, uh, the act of which I have a copy here. You know, so that is the history of the National Peace Council. Uh, the mandate, um, as uh, set out in Section 2, uh, is to facilitate and develop mechanisms. So that is the core mandate. Facilitate and develop mechanisms. Mechanisms to do what? To prevent, to manage, and to resolve conflicts. So that is the mandate cut out for us. So our first objective is to prevent. If we are unable to prevent, we manage. And if we are able to resolve, happy we are. Uh, the overall effect is to ensure that this country uh, keeps our peace or sustainable peace as we, we would, would want to put it. You know, so that is the, the, the Peace Council. Uh, we, we do a lot of things. We are supposed to be a coordinating mechanism to harmonize uh, I mean, peace initiatives and peace actions in the country. Uh, we are supposed to build capacity 
you know, to ensure uh, that uh, mm. people like even yourself, because the media, sometimes you are confronted with conflict matters. How do we help society to uh, you know, provide a better mechanism for addressing our differences instead of resorting to the machete, the gun, or whatever? You know, so um, that is what we do. We also create awareness you know, of nonviolent uses uh, instead of using the violent ways. There are violent mechanisms. What are they, and uh, how are people able to you know, use them? in addressing their conflict issues. So that is what the peace can be doing since uh, 2006. You remember Peter Pierre Texan Cardinal was the first chair. Uh, when he left, uh, most reverend, uh, Asante, Emmanuel Asante took over. And now we have Reverend Dr. Nesely Jemfi, uh, who is a chair. So that has been our history. I think uh, Ghanaians are best judge. I think we've done quite a lot. Uh, basically, uh, behind the scenes, we do even more, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's unfortunate, referring to the, the peace index. Yes. You know, this country, uh, one of the key indicators, if somebody is talking about Ghana from our side, our peace mm. is something that clearly defines or identifies uh, us as a people, mm. you know. So we have jealously guided this enviable record uh, but unfortunately the latest uh, global peace index release as you rightly referred to you know um, uh, we lost our position mm. as the most peaceful within the so west africa what Somebody, happened i mean what did we do wrong yeah you know uh, there are three basic um, i think you you've said it here uh, the internal domestic issues um, security issues one uh, militarization, another, uh, then um, I think the last one is um, uh, safeguarding. Let me, let me check it from here. Uh, ongoing domestic, you know, international conflict, uh, degree of militarization, then our security, you know, and safety issues. If you look at it, uh, we performed quite well in the first two, you know, safety and security, domestic, you know, uh, we did a bit well there. No, no, the militarization, sorry. The domestic was where we, we, we had a problem. Right. You know, because you see, if, you, if you look at our country now, uh, since 2021, you know, chief tensy conflicts have been, uh, I think our biggest being as a people. If you take our the economy, uh, which we all know, the troubles we are currently encountering, chief tensy has been, and, and, and over the past year, uh, we haven't had it easy in terms of chief tensive conflicts here and there, particularly, you know, in the Upper East region. Mm. The Boko conflict, we all know, uh, didn't help matters. And, you know, uh, there's another one, uh, the very close to uh, Boko, you know. Uh, so combined effects, if you go to you know, a lot, they have a lot. In fact, a total of 300, almost 310 cases now, uh, you know, all over the country that the Peace Council is handling. So let me ask you this. I mean, chieftaincy disputes. Yeah. The rest of civilization has solved this problem centuries ago. Is that what, so? Well, yeah. <laughs> what is it that makes it difficult for us, you know, to, to resolve issues of succession, of land ownership, mm. or, you know, 
things that because yeah. I mean, in, in, if you go to any other place where there's a monarchy or you know a royalty, it's already determined. Yeah. Who comes next? Who comes after whom? Yeah. Or how to determine who comes next and who comes after whom? Yeah. Land. Yeah. They demarcated all land. They know who owns what to the last grain of sand. What's our problem? You know, could you? Uh, is it even in our family setup? Uh, who succeeds who? It's not properly defined. Uh, I remember when my father passed. It became a uh, kind of a struggle. Uh, who should succeed him? You know, so it has been a problem. I'm not sure it is only a Ghanaian problem, but uh, African and beyond. Our case, I think, is a bit of serious because even as a country, I have tried to research whether this country will ever came together to agree to the kind of union we wanted as a people. Did we bring our traditional rulers? Did we bring our religious leaders? Did we assemble the youth, you know, I mean, to agree that this is the kind of state we want to have ourselves? I think that one. I'm not sure. I've tried. You know, so it has been a, a, an endemic problem, a systemic problem. That as a country we have not confronted well, and that, I think, has reflected in our traditional governance, and even, I think, in our republic. You know, so it is a huge issue. Um, I think the president himself is concerned. Uh, we met him uh, somewhere uh, this early this year, and it, it is an issue uh, that is, is, is of a great concern, because until we are able to deal with the chief tenancy conflict in the country, development cannot succeed. So, I mean, this is the space that you study. This is the space in which you operate. So, yeah. help us understand. I mean, who, who is failing? What is, that, what is it that has made it difficult for us to have that conversation, whether it's within individual tribes yeah. or whether it's as a national conversation, to say that, look, from this year forward, mm. this is how things will be determined. Yeah. And then we pass it in, pass the necessary laws to codify it, and then we can just sit back and enjoy some peace. Yeah, I think some efforts uh, have, 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 have begun. Um, the House of Chiefs, uh, I think, have started something, you know, to codify, you know, um, who is the next. It shouldn't be in doubt. Uh, if you go to the northern part of Ghana, you know, um, you know, we, the, most of those parts were acephalous, you know, before uh, these chieftaincy, you know, uh, the institutions were introduced. You know, so um, the House of Chiefs have started it, and we just have to give them the backing, the logistics and the financial backing. Mm. I think we as a peace institution, we are ready. We've, we met them somewhere two years ago, and this issue came up strongly. So um, the conversation has, has, be, has started. I think we don't have to, I mean, relax on that. We have to push it. Uh, I think the state as a country, our people, including you, of course, our media partners, yeah. we should all mobilize like we've done for Galamse, you know, because what is happening in chieftaincy probably is more than Galamse that uh, is killing all of us. So how do we resolve these things once and for all? It's not going to be easy because, you know, traditions and customs are not, uh, they are sensitive 
some very emotive can, can, can arouse people's emotions, etc. You know, so we need to uh, be, begin the conversation. Probably at the traditional level, uh, gradually to the national, I don't know, but you may also start from a national conversation and see how it can tickle down you know, to our, 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 our various traditional areas. It is a problem. And uh, I think all of us Ghanaians uh, would have to uh, realize that this is an issue that is confronting this country. And until we deal with it head on, uh, me, me and you, probably we are grown, and you are still young, but those, our children coming up, they may face more serious problems. You've talked about um, some of the things that are being done to, to help resolve these long-standing issues. You talked about what the chieftaincy, um, uh, House of the Chiefs, House of Chiefs yes. uh, has been doing. Uh, that, that situated the Peace Council in this process. What, yeah. what role have you been playing? Yes, um, we, we have planned, uh, put some few things you know, in place. Uh, one uh, is to have a national dialogue on the issue so that we bring on board all those uh, stakeholders relevant you know, uh, for, for, for this issue to be addressed. Um, the House of Chiefs itself, uh, how do we bring in civil society? You know, those that are mentioned, and we have quite a number now. How do we bring in our politicians? How do we bring in um, uh, the youth groups? Because they are very, very important our political parties as well, you know, so that we can assemble somewhere, probably keep ourselves uh, for some three days to think through what has gone wrong. How do we, you know, correct the, 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 the wrongs you know, that have happened? And how do we chart a path? And that will ensure that if it is uh, Mr. George Amois Kujo, who is supposed to be the next, you know, higher to a throne, that will not be in dispute. And um, I think we have good examples. The Ashanti Kingdom has been very strong on that. Uh, how, what are the lessons we can learn? You know, uh, if there are areas we can share notes, these are some of the things we can do you know, to ensure we are able to. So a national conversation about the, the issue, I think, is important. And that's what and the that Peace is Council is, is yes, engaging in. Do you have timelines for this? When, yeah, when will this conversation begin? The, the, the issue is that, um, you know, it's, 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 it is uh, the financial uh, I mean, issues, I mean, has to be addressed. And um, I know that uh, we, we are trying, we are trying to mobilize the resources from uh, both uh, government and uh, our development partners. Mm -hmm you know, to see what is it that we can do. And right. uh, we want to do it as quickly as possible. Uh, but uh, what is keeping us is because we do not have all the resources, you know. Uh, let, let, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, how is the Peace Council funded? Uh, by government. Uh, indeed, uh, government pays all our salaries, uh, monuments, etc., for the board members and yes. for uh, the staff. Uh, as we speak, we have about... Um, this is seven uh, regular staff, and uh, those seconded about uh, 30. Okay. You know, yeah, so we are a little over 100 across the country. Um, uh, so the basically government support us in terms of, uh, you know, the three government areas, uh, goods and services for our programs, 
compensation uh, for our salaries and allowances, then uh, what do you go keep us or capital uh, expenditures for uh, things like uh, the desk and uh, you know etc. So government does that, you know. But in terms of programs, um, our money from the state has never been enough. I mean, like others will suffer. So we depend mostly on our developed partners. Uh, just yesterday, for example, I think Joy FM was there to cover uh, the UNDP and the Danish Embassy. Yeah. Uh, you know, launched a project uh, that we want to, you know, uh, help, uh, you know, address uh, particularly this uh, threat of violent extremism and terrorism that is, you know, um, coming up from the Sahelian countries. You know, so that is how we are funded. Uh, right. It has never been enough, uh, but... I can imagine the difficulties. What tend to be the risk factors of being funded by government? I ask this because in any part of the world where serious conflict has broken out, yeah. very often the government of the day is a party in that conflict, is one of the parties in that conflict. God forbid that ever happens yeah. in Ghana. But this is a reality. It happens elsewhere, so mm-hmm. it is a possibility do you do you find that that presents a bit some risk factors for uh, you know your institution bearing in mind you have to rely so heavily on government funding but i think that that should be the way to go i mean why should somebody outside the states you know, fund a critical issue like peace without which development cannot take place so I think that the country uh, would have to take that responsibility and uh, take it um, head on. You know, because, uh, I mean, if any government will succeed, we have been meeting MMDCs and we tell them, if your tenure will be a successful one, it depends largely on the peacefulness or otherwise of the place. If your term is engulfed with violence here and there, I mean, even the mind, to think about development, I'm not sure we'll be there. So it is in our interest as a people, and I think government is the best place to find peace initiatives right. that will really secure our security and safety as a people. Let's talk about some of the recent events that have um, brushed up against our ambitions of peace. Yeah. Uh, so you've already mentioned the conflict in the north that keeps breaking out over and over. Uh, but even before we talk about that, we've also had this. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With, um, uh, well, there's, there's current, there, there, there was recently a court case involving some uh, Transvolta Tugulan yeah. uh, people and, uh, you know, their desire to break away from yeah, Ghana. the Republic mm. of Ghana. You know, it was it, it, it grew into a modicum of a movement, yeah. you know, and there were some violent outbursts and so forth. Uh, did the Peace Council see itself uh, in that process? What, what, what role did you play? Yeah, uh, thank you very much, Guido, once again. Um, we realized that that was uh, something that can, can hurt this country. 
and uh, therefore we didn't rest at all. Uh, the board uh, quickly mobilized um, resources and government uh, came in to support us. And um, what we did was, because you know, we used the non-kinetic approach, mm -hmm. the military, the police, they used the kinetic. So we believe that the, kin the non-kinetic is able to address relational issues. And all these things, they are basically relational issues. Mm -hmm. If somebody doesn't feel belonged, if somebody, for whatever reason, feels that uh, I'm not respected, you know, that person can do a whole lot of things, including what happened. Yeah. So what we did as a peace institution uh, with a mandate in mind um, was to dialogue with the Volta region and uh, the OT region, as, we, as, as, as it is today. So we went to as many as 18 communities to take their views as to what uh, they perceive to be discrimination, uh, you know, etc. But while doing this, we had the secessionist group, the Papavis group in mind, you know, so we had some engagements with the group. Um, we cannot uh, touch on matters that border criminality. Mm -hmm. So those ones, we leave them to the state to handle, the government to handle and the institutions are so designed to, help to, do, to do so. You know, so we dialogue with them, came up with a number of, uh, you know, recommendations as to how we can deal with the issues once and for all. You know, so um, we have... That what were some of the recommendations? Oh, uh, and quite a number of them uh, that the people are discriminated against uh, in terms of employment, even the very, uh, the name that you bear, you know, sometimes becomes an issue, you know. So um, development, lack of development, I mean, uh, you know, also came up as one key issue that they've been left out. And um, respect, like you said here, um, for, I mean, that I mean, section of Ghana, you know, did not seem to be the attention of government and those who are, you know, managing our, our affairs. So uh, issues of exclusion, issues of marginalization, discrimination, you know, came up strongly. And some of them I know government um, has, has uh, started, you know, tackling them. Uh, the road networks, for example, uh, that, I mean, that's been neglected. I think government started doing something about it. The, another issue that came up strongly was um, you know, the continuous stay of military, uh, the military at the borders, mm -hmm. you know, um, we know that just after, you know, that, uh, that conversation, uh, that issue was also addressed. You know, so something has been done. Um, we so went would you back say the recommendations have been implemented to the point where this would never happen again? No, not, 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 no, I'm not saying so at all. Uh, you know, uh, this, the guys who, are, who have been in prison, for example, that issue also came up. Yes, that's released them. But, uh, you know, that is not for us to decide. Uh, we would make the recommendations as to how to go about this in a way that would sustain the peace of the country. But the states and uh, the police may have uh, how they also see things. The judiciary may have the way. So we did ours. Ours is to collate the views. What is it that we can do to keep this country together, to avoid the occurrence of the movement like the Papavis group? Mm -hmm. 
And that we have done and submitted our report. Okay. Um, let's talk about the conflict in the north. This one is just, it's, it's been going on for so long. Yeah. The issues keep evolving, the, the players, you know, coming and going. It's a very volatile situation. Mm. Uh, talk to us about uh, the Peace Council's uh, you know, efforts, whether or not they... Well, in fact, let me, mm. let me qualify. Talk to us about the Peace Council's efforts mm. and why, in spite of them, yeah. we still have this conflict. Yeah, you know, conflict is uh, very fluid. Um, you cannot determine its movement <laughs> so easily. Uh, but... The UNDP uh, came to the support of the Peace Council somewhere uh, in 2015 yeah, to set up what we call the Boko Interethnic Peace Committee in respect to the Boko conflict. Because uh, conflict experts will tell you, you cannot import you know, um, solutions. You would have to use, uh, you know, people within the area, you know, those who are affected. So um, what we did was to set up the Boko Interethnic Peace Committee. And the Boko Interethnic Peace Committee was made up of both Kusasis and the Mambrises and other tribes in the, in the area, in the Bisas, the, even the Dagbanis, they are there. You know, so um, we set up a 20-member committee. And they selected a chair. Uh, vice chair and etc and uh, to as it were evaluate the situation from time to time become the early warning mechanism there to offer you know the 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 transition of issues like uh, early warnings if for example they get an issue that they think the peace council the head office can help address quickly they do that if it's a rexic quickly they do that you know so that was the method the peace council applied and it was working until, uh, you know, uh, I think 2021, mm. when the unfortunate, you know, uh, recurrence uh, happened. Mm. You know, so um, we still believe that it is workable because you cannot, I, myself and you, cannot go and mm. proffer any solution. What we can do is provide the expert advice. But the solution rests with the people. And I am very confident, Koju, that... Let we should not, you know, uh, leave Boko or any other conflict area. We have to support them. I mean, uh, Doba Kandiga, also in the Upper East region, had gone through a similar situation like the Boko issue. But the chiefs themselves have been able, you know, to find a solution. The peace council provided technical uh, support, but they have found a solution, and we believe that. Uh, it's just a matter of time. Boko will find a solution. Right. What we have to fight against are those behind the scenes, the periphery, uh, who people, some people call them conflict entrepreneurs, right. who are behind the scenes and providing the support mm. for them to do you know, what they are doing. Right. I think that we have to cut. Mm. And um, if all of us were able to mobilize ourselves, including the media, because there are media... Uh, stations over there who are also not allowing the matter to rest. Yeah. Um, I can't let you leave without asking about this. <laughs> One of the, your most recent endeavors was to bring peace between Archbishop Ajinasari and, <laughs> uh, and the, the people of Nogoku. 
How's that going? <laughs> Would you, um, I think we didn't expect that to happen, but it happened. Um, this is how we, we did it. Um, we, 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 our regional office, you know, we have regional offices across the country. Mm -hmm. So the Volta Regional Peace Council um, first issued a statement. And uh, we also approached the Nogubo people. And uh, we approached, indeed, uh, the Perez Chapel as well. And uh, requested for a kind of a dialogue, you know, to address this matter. Because we didn't think that this should degenerate into where it was going to go. I have to apologize uh, sincerely. I do have to cut in because Thank something you. is happening and I'm, I'm learning about it in my ear. This has been fascinating though. I think we should have more conversations about Peace Council and, and the work you're Thank doing. You. Um, but uh, I've got to very quickly uh, tell you about this. Uh, Kwabna Ajapong has just uh, come out of a meeting at the NPP headquarters and uh, following his exit from this meeting uh, we have been trying to get some comment from him not just him but other dignitaries who have um, been in this meeting currently uh, Alexander Afenyo Markin uh, is uh, about to address some gathered uh, journalists let's find out what we can learn about this meeting we briefed you on Monday and indicated that we're going to have a further engagement today I'm happy to announced that we've had a very successful engagement with uh, eight of the aspirants were present. Two were represented. Vice President Bahamadou Bahumia was represented and then Dr. Kofi Konedu Apreku was also represented. But the, yeah, I think seven. Honorable Jogati was also represented. So, we had seven out of the ten aspirants present. And uh, we had our engagement and uh, we deliberated on few matters that were of concern. We were able to build consensus on the nagging issues and incorporated them in the guidelines. We've agreed that the Electoral Commission is going to take charge of the elections and see to all the security arrangements as well. Party agent, uh, uh, agent of the aspirant will also uh, oversee to the printing of the ballot papers. So the ballot papers won't be printed by the party. It will be printed by the electoral commission. And all that we would do is to furnish them with the details of the aspirant including their pictures. We've given them the type of picture they are supposed to bring. So everything has been agreed upon. The notice of polls would be put out. A proxy has been agreed upon. There's going to be proxy. And the notice will be issued. And deadline for all proxies will be by on the 2nd. And all proxy lists will be furnished the aspirants. We also agreed to ensure that the the list of delegates the album in this case will also be furnished the aspirants now let me inform you the order that the aspirant will appear on the ballot papers ken ohine japon number one alan john kojo chairman number two 
Joe Gatti, number 10, Ohine, Japan, number 1. Alan John Kojo, Chairman number 2. Joe Gatti, number Dr. Kofi Konedu Apreku, number 8. Boachi, Chairman a John of Balotin, where Joe Gatti, number 10, Ohine, Japan, number 1. Alan John Kojo, Chairman number 2. Joe Gatti, number Dr. Kofi Konedu Apreku, number 8. Boachi, Chairman a John of Balotin, where Joe Gatti, number Ken Ohine, Japan, number 1. Alan John Kojo, Chairman number 2. Joe Gatti, number Dr. Kofi Konedu Apreku, number 8. Boachi, Chairman a John of Balotin, where the aspirants pick the order in which they will pick their positions. Boachi, Chairman a John of Balotin, where the aspirants pick the order in which they will pick their positions themselves and then when we were able to determine the order in which they were going to pick their positions and they were satisfied we rolled out that today's item let's go step by step we've had a fruitful engagement seven aspirants were present three were represented today is a major phase we've completed this phase we are going to have another engagement with them if we get to any point of relevance of which you have inquired, we would duly, I mean, would uh, duly announce that to you. All right. What I'm saying, what I'm saying, is this: that as part of the processes, aspirants will be furnished with the album. I said so. I said so, and I'm sure I was very clear. Therefore, let's take one step at a time. Today we have done the balloting it's been very successful all of them are happy we've both consensus so i said so and i'm sure i was very clear therefore let's take one step at a time today we have done the balloting it's been very successful all of them are happy we've both consensus done the balloting it's been very successful all of them are happy we've both consensus on the guidelines and we are going to move on accordingly all of them are happy we've both consensus on the guidelines and we are going to move on accordingly the spokesperson for the elections uh, committee honorable um, martin afeo markins uh, there uh, telling us what happened. We know that uh, initially, or the first meeting that was conducted at the decentralized uh, point here. So all is over. It has been uh, over an over two-hour meeting with the aspirants here, and then I must say um, that the aspirants whom we spoke to have expressed satisfaction about the entire uh, exercise so far. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, our very own Samuel Mbura, who has been uh, keeping an eye on the NPP's preparations for their primaries. Uh, so now we know how it's supposed to unfold. We know who will be situated where on the ballot, uh, with um, the vice president taking the 10th position. Uh, that's what I remember. Mr. K.K. Apreku, Dr. K.K. Apreku will be in on the 8th position, and Kennedy Ajapong will be number one, followed by Alan Chermanting in the 2nd position. Joe Gatti takes up the third position.
Kojopoku and is number six. Uh, and uh, Mr. Adainimo takes up the seventh position. Uh, as I mentioned, KK Apreku is in the eighth position. Alan Chairman. Uh, uh, Mr. Bwachi um, Ejako is in the number nine position, uh, which means Dr. Baumia takes up the tenth slot on the ballot. All right. So there we are, all up to date. And of course, if anything else unfolds, you know you'll get it right here on your election headquarters. Joy News will continue to bring you updates as they unfold. We're going to take a break now because there's a lot more for us to discuss when we come back, including a massive conference in Gumwafete. Everybody is there. Why shouldn't you be? Come back and we go. of items is amazing. Interesting things at Homeland this month. Yes. Foot warmers, ice chests, mm-hmm. insulated jugs, ice cube trays, ceramic servants. Wait, is that all? Cups, bucket flat, oil jars, sauce jars, ladles, rainbow. Yes, that is Homeland for you. Many more. Everything you need in the kitchen. Homeland got it at quality and affordable prices. <laughs> yes. There you have it. all the toys for you kids. Toys land. Awesome. Promotions, sales, massive discounts, freebies. What more can you ask for? Call Homeland now on 059 381 1451. Shop your way at Homeland at a cross central. Kamali. Spintex. Kumasi. It's a big bazaar. Big sale. This whole month at Homeland Ring Road Branch. Get interactive on all social media platforms at Homeland Store GH. Happy kitchen, happy home. We've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation. Oh no, we are out of range. Oh, don't worry, daddy. I have Alexa in my bag. Alex, what? Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM. Super Hits Radio, Radio. Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy FM, Hits FM, Love FM, Live, Hits FM, Love FM, Live on your Amazon Echo, Love FM, Live on your Amazon Echo. That's by saying, Alexa, play programs waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our u.s-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh, 
Oh, good. You're back. Now, former presidents John Ajikunkufo and John Mahama are among the dignitaries this afternoon at the National Development Pentecost. Apostle Dr. Eric Nyamiche, he addressed the gathering uh, to open the conference. Why is she coming into these matters? Many reasons, many, many reasons. But I will limit myself to three. I will limit myself to three. The purpose of the church is the transformation of this flag. The flag of Ghana. This flag. Every flag. Please, let me have it. Yeah, this one. As a contractor, I choose hardy fiber cement because I've seen it outperform wood-based siding and other hard siding materials. The high-quality craftsmanship translates into beautiful and durable results that leave our customers at GFidel extremely satisfied. Using hardy siding has significantly reduced my callbacks and warranty claims, too. At James Hardy, we're here to support you. From training materials to resources that can help you generate a greater profit. Learn more about growing your business with us at jameshardy.com build. Call it lights. The purpose of the church is the transformation of this flag. Number two, history invites us to join in the conversation of national development. Number three, righteousness, a nation. So that set the tone. We can now hear from the former president, John Ajikunkufo, uh, former president Mahama, vice president Dr. Baumia, speaker of parliament, and the chief justice. And we are all here to consider how we deliberate on the development of our nation using moral vision. And as I've said, you don't talk morality without talking humanity. So, Pentecostal Church has done well in organizing this huge meeting, and I'm sure the meeting is also being relayed across the nation. I, I wish you success, so over the next two or three days of the forum, you come up with ways and means to enable the people generally to contribute to find the way forward uh, toward developing our nation uh, with, without the biases and, if you like, the unkindness that we tend to display to each other, uh, even as we try to uh, develop our country. What happened to our value of being each other's, each other's uh, keeper, each his brother's keeper, where communal assistance to each other on our farms and in other tasks that we had to undertake were easily available. What happened to our abhorrence of greed and theft? Why do we celebrate persons who today are wealthy with dubious sources of income and yet society is not concerned about what the source of income is and it's only about the person's wealth? Ladies and gentlemen, Ethics have a direct impact on national development. And as a student of history, I can say unequivocally that in history, all civilizations that have fallen 
have done so after they lost their moral and ethical compass. It is our prayer just to maintain its moral compass in order that we can continue to ensure national development, prosperity, and dignity for our, uh, for our people. We have also digitalized the operations of many government institutions, and in the process, we have reduced corruption in those institutions. I mean, we, at the ports, for example, we've instituted a paperless port system. One of the interesting things about the implementation of the paperless port in system was the resistance of the customs officers when we wanted to make the operations paperless. The officers on day one, the first day of the operations of the paperless port system, some of them organized demonstrations against the system because they did not want the system to work. But we persisted and the system is working. We have digitalized the operations of the DVLA, and it's now one of the world-class institutions uh, operating in, in the country. You don't really need Goro boys and to pay bribes to work in that. Today is a very easy process. You don't need to go and pay Goro boys. You can do it online. It will be delivered for you, and you can proceed. Electricity Company of Ghana, today you can buy your credit on your mobile phone. And it is very, very simple. I will tell you one thing. We noticed some, a very, very interesting piece of data which speaks to the problems at ECG. We looked at the data and for a period of four years or so, the revenues of ECG were virtually constant, constant. I said, this cannot be possible. We have, we, we, how can you get more customers and your revenue is constant? And the interesting thing was that the value was virtually the same, the constant value. They didn't even take their time to change the value. So we said, no, we need to send in a team to look at the architecture of revenue collections at ECG and digitalize the process properly. So we sent in a team to ECG. They were collecting 450 million Ghana cities a month. When we sent in the team, there was sabotage. Malware was introduced into the system by people working right there. We worked through that with the help of national security, and we then brought in a whole new architecture for ECG. Thanks to the Minister for Energy, uh, Matthew Pokuprempa. We brought in a whole new architecture for ECG. And after this completion of this work from, from the digitalization process, 450 million a month has now increased to 1.2 billion every month. Just think about it. You've increased from 450 million to 1.2 billion by doing nothing but making sure all payments are now electronic, no cash, and reconfiguring the architecture of the payment system at ECG. That's all we did. Similarly, at the passport office, we have increased revenue from 1 million Ghana cities a year to 64 million Ghana cities a year. 
So these things, when you look at the nature of behavior in these institutions, there was clearly a lot of leakage. But through digitalization, we are compelling behavior, which is morally upright. It is clear that the constitutional mandate given to the judiciary in Article 125 of the 1992 Constitution to administer justice requires us to maintain and enforce the highest standards of ethical conduct in the nation on one hand and uphold the innate need of the human soul for justice on the other hand. This is a duty that the judiciary shares with the church as an institution. Justice is a sine qua non for peace, stability, and quality of life in any nation. In words attributed to Pope John Paul II, if you want peace, work for justice. Unquote. A nation that loses interest in the rule of law and delivery of justice is one that sets itself up for destruction. Good character builds trust. Without trust, people will never follow you. And without followers, obviously, one cannot lead. It will be a walk in the path. Therefore, effective leadership requires integrity, political leaders. We must be willing be held accountable for our actions and inactions. We must conduct ourselves in a manner that is beyond the behavior of Pompey's wife, that is beyond reproach. And we must uphold the highest standards of ethics and morality. Right, lots of talk there about rethinking Ghana, seeking an ideal Ghana. What would that Ghana look like? Well, let's talk, uh, let's talk about it with somebody who was there. Carlos, it's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Quite an event. Everybody. Yes. Was everybody who is everybody was gathered there. Yes. Let's talk about that. You know, seeking um, Ghana, seeking an ideal Ghana. What would that Ghana look like? Well, let's talk, uh, let's talk about it with somebody who was there. Carlos, it's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Quite an event. Everybody. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Quite an event. Everybody. Yes. Was everybody who is everybody was gathered there. Let's talk about that. You know, um, presidents, uh, former presidents, two of them, vice presidents, was gathered there. Let's talk about that. You know, um, presidents, uh, former presidents, two of them, vice presidents, who were there. You could you could tell that these are people who really want to take this dialogue serious. The fact that for these who were there, you could, you could tell that these are people who really want to take this dialogue serious. The fact that, for them, but all put together, you could tell that those from all diverse, the religious body, the traditional authorities, they were so happy about the entire uh, engagement. Yeah. Apparently, the chairman of... Um, uh, yeah. Now, uh, we also heard from former presidents, uh, the two Johns, uh, Kufour and Mahama, 
wrap up their thoughts for us. What did they so basically, they, they are pushing for that kind of Ghana where we will move away from self-centeredness to a more inclusive uh, you know, governance to ensure that uh, we, we don't be, become self-seeking people and we should be able to uh, do away with corruption and all that. But mainly the partisan politics is one of the things that they've been talking about at the conference. Mm. And do you get the sense that those who have attended this conference are going to walk away with any intention at all of being different, of rethinking? Do you expect from how it unfolded that we will be seeing a new Ghana from tomorrow onwards? Yes, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I mean, speaking to a number of MPs, they, they, they were so clear that for, for them to suspend sitting in parliament and to be at a conference meant a lot uh, to them. And from this conference, which is going to help them make right decisions when they get back to parliament. So we are hoping that it will not become one of those talk shops. We want to see action after that. Um, uh, were there any action points made? Uh, are there any expectations we can start to measure? Our leaders up against not yet because it um, uh, tomorrow is another session so we are hoping of the conference will get some um, actionable things uh, mm. tomorrow yeah Carlos we're glad you were there thank you very much you. all right there's more to come and uh, of course uh, we were uh, privileged enough to have Carlos there uh, to keep an eye on proceedings stay with us there are more stories on the way Imagine a family without a home. Imagine a song without a voice. Imagine a church without prayers. Imagine democracy without journalists. Without the media. Stories that have to be told by well-trained journalists. That's why you can't imagine news without Joy News. It's Wednesday, so let's uh, go across to our partners. The big question being discussed in Germany this week is how to deal with the far-right AFD party, especially at a time when it's becoming more and more popular, second in nationwide polls, and after it won the first local election victories. 
the head of the opposition opened the door for a possible local cooperation with the AFD, but had to quickly backtrack after he was strongly criticized. This week, the AFD will also hold its federal party conference to plan its future strategy. Thomas Sparrow joins us. He's a political correspondent from our partner station, DW, in Berlin. Thomas, tell us, how big is the controversy in Germany after those remarks by the opposition head? It is a very big controversy indeed. It is a very big controversy indeed. D. Only hours after he gave those statements, he had to actually uh, victories. The discussion has now uh, actually strengthened in Germany as to how other parties, if at all, should cooperate with the AFD. There are those who say that the ban should still be in place. But others say that it should be a more pragmatic decision based on a relatively young party, and it became more and more popular after the migrant. Conservatives, and they seem to have been profiting a lot from the current. So, as such, it has meant a big political discussion in the country as to how. there, but we've also seen similar debates in other countries around Europe. However, at a time when many citizens in the continent are concerned and when far-right parties
The West African Center for Cell Biology of Infectious